I think we have to have a little bit of like awareness and like be smart about understanding that like not every program you take is going to be the one that's going to make you the million dollars. So sometimes it's just important to stay consistent and keep educating yourself, even if it's outside of a program, but constantly working on yourself. Welcome to She Leads First, a podcast for female entrepreneurs who are ready to build a brand that will become a revenue generating machine. Hey guys, I'm Emily Sincata, a brand and business strategist with years of experience in both marketing and online product development. Each week, myself and my guests are going to share our own experiences and knowledge with you so that you can figure out exactly what about your brand is going to keep people coming back for more. You'll leave this podcast equipped with the confidence to tackle those big goals that are going to scale the impact of your brand and your bank account. It's time for you to embody that CEO energy and start leading first. After all, you're building more than just a business. You are building a movement. Today on the podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Antonetta Chiapetta. Is that not the coolest name you have ever heard? <laughs> Antonetta is a breakthrough and business mentor for women who want to build six-figure, thriving online businesses while also nurturing a mindset for success. Her sweet spot is truly money mindset, nervous system regulation, and understanding your subconscious beliefs. And we dive into all of the good stuff surrounding those topics today. This conversation is over. Open, it's honest, it's raw, it's vulnerable. And I know that you're going to gain so much wisdom from everything that her and I both share. We both go deep on where our money mindset and our money trauma even has shown up in our lives and in our investments. And we even share a bit about the red flags we see in the coaching industry when it comes to the way that money is used to market and how we can do better both as consumers and as those who are selling our coaching packages to make sure that we're bringing people in from a place place of empowerment with their investment decisions. So I know that there is going to be just so much value in this episode. I cannot wait for you to learn from Antonetta and all of the value that she has to share. Hello, 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 Antonietta. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I am, I'm well, I am busy, but doing well. How are you? Oh, I am so good. And yes, you are busy. We were just chatting a little bit before we hit record here. I think this is so cool. Everybody talks about building a business that lets you work from anywhere, move to where you dream to, but you are about to live this out in real time. You are moving to one of the coolest places on earth. Can you tell everybody where you are going and where you are right now? So what is this transition? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so actually we're in Canada right now on the east coast of Canada. We're in Ontario and we are actually relocating halfway across the world to Hawaii. We are moving to Oahu for the next six to seven months and then kind of figuring it out if we want to stay there or come back or it's adventure time. It is adventure time for us. So that's where we're going. Oh, it's so much fun though. And you have, is it two children, two young kids? Three. 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 Ooh, that's <laughs> How long is that plane ride from where you are in Canada to Hawaii? 
It is this time around. It's only, I think it's 14 hours. The first time around it was 18 hours because we had lots of layovers because it was COVID. So we're really lucky at this time there's a four hour uh, cut down. So. Oh my gosh, that is still pretty long. I mean, I'm in LA, so I'm pretty close now to, or closer, I should say, to Hawaii. So it's not that bad, but that's pretty far. <laughs> it's going to be a you long one with us. You'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, was boy. so awesome. Can I ask you a little bit about this? Because I am so curious. What made you guys decide to move to Hawaii and why now? So we went in 2021. And we went to Maui for three weeks and we absolutely fell in love with it. If you have been to Hawaii and you know, you're listening to this, there is an energy, there's like a regenerative energy and a healing energy about Hawaii. It's not just beautiful beaches and sand and the people are obviously incredible, but there is a spirit and they call it the Aloha spirit, but it's, it's deeper than that. I think it's, there is an energy there that is like nowhere I think I've ever felt. Now I haven't been, you know, to the corners of the world. Like I don't know maybe places like Fiji or Bora Bora, they might have that same regenerative energy, but there is something special and each person I've spoken to who's been there has said the same thing. So clearly it's not just me. You asked why now. And it's actually been that we wanted to go last year, but we had a whole series of health issues happen in the family. First, my dad, then my mom, then me. And then earlier this year, I actually had a double mastectomy because I was diagnosed with breast cancer late last year. And then I lost my mom literally two months after my surgery. And then my dad had a quadruple bypass. It's just a lot, a lot of, I've, I've lived basically like 30 years in eight months. So we finally, it was, it was about a week after my mom passed. And I looked at my boyfriend and I said, that's it. Like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not waiting for life to unfold for me anymore. We're going to just make it happen. So I had 15 rounds of radiation in April uh, between April and May. And I refused all of the treatment, just my own personal choice, but decided that it was time to move on with life and, you know, bring my mom and her spirit with me still. But it's time to really decide, was I going to let life continue happening to me or go out and make it happen my way? So that was kind of what fueled it. And yeah, which just it's now it's next week. <laughs> Well, first off, I'm so sorry to hear about your mom, but I love how you've been able to take this and turn it into some fuel for you to start living your life maybe even more intentionally than you were in the past and taking this leap of faith and moving so far across the world to Hawaii. And I have to agree with you. I heard somebody call Hawaii recently the heart chakra of the earth. And I was like, you know what? I feel that it is such just a grounding, centering, like truly a heartwarming place. So I'm so excited that you get to take your little ones there for them to experience it for at least six to eight months, it sounds like, before you decide what's next. Uh, what an incredible journey that you are about to be on. Sounds like you've been on a journey for the last the last year, at least. There's been yeah. a lot that like, <laughs> just makes this conversation even more wholesome and even more fulfilling and gratifying, I think that we're about to have here. Because if those of you listening haven't met Antonietta before, she is a money mindset and manifestation expert, also business coach. So she really knows what she's talking about in this department and lives it out firsthand in her life. For people who haven't met you before, we were talking about this a little bit before we hopped on. I would love for you to share your journey into entrepreneurship and how you got into this field and what kind of like the major stepping stones were to get you to where you are now. 
Sure. Yeah. So I actually, funny enough, I was working for a corporate company. I was actually working in a gym, so a massive gym chain in Canada. And I was seven and a half months pregnant sitting at my desk. I was a manager for this gym and decided that I did not want to go back to work and doing the same thing after I had my son. I didn't know what I was going to do. No idea. I was literally $28,000 in debt, last $500 on my credit card I had available. And I was sitting at my desk getting paid and decided to book a lash course. So I actually started by getting into lash extensions. And within, you know, my son was born in September. By October, I was, he was only three and a half weeks old. I drove an hour and a half away from my training and came back home and I started setting up clients like right away. I was in a place where I knew nobody though. Like I had moved an hour and a half away from where I knew anyone. So that was tricky in itself. But within six months, I had generated like my first $10,000 month and I was then I started educating six months later. It was it was just a series of, of really good things that were happening and that was in 2017. So in 2020... Obviously, we all went through the same thing. Late 2020, I decided, you know, when we weren't allowed to have in-person services, I said, how do I want to continue helping women get better? How do I want to help women expand, make money, use their mind? Like, what do I need to do? And I started my own personal development journey in 2017 because I wanted to change my beliefs for my children. I wanted to heal from all the things I knew for them. So for me, it ended up being, how do I now take what I've learned and help other women to be able to heal and do the same? And late 2020, that's when I started my coaching business. And it has been a ride. It has been exciting. It has been an endless journey of self-discovery, I will say. So it's gone from mindset only to mindset and business, back to mindset, back to manifestation. I've been, it's all been the same, but it's all been a little bit different because I feel like as we grow, we learn new things and we can apply and teach new things. So that's a little bit about me and now three kids instead of one. <laughs> oh my goodness. You're truly doing it all. There's so much goodness in that story. I'm like, where do I even want to dive in to pick apart? But the first thing I want to ask is, was money mindset always something that was on your radar or how did you get introduced to this concept of thinking about how you think about money? It, well, it's funny because it ties into... I can say it now that, well, I would have said it when she was here too, because I did say when she was here, but now that my mom isn't here, even though I have her little card sitting right beside me, she's staring right at me. So sorry. But I just can remember from a kid hearing things like, you know, my parents always did the most for us. Like always, there was never anything we didn't have or any experience, but my parents went without for themselves a lot in order to be sure that me and my brother had everything we wanted. And I can remember hearing things like, you know, not right now, maybe later, or we can't afford that, or there's not, you know, we always had food and shelter and clothes. That was never an issue, but to go above and beyond, it just almost wasn't possible. And I can remember like growing up, we only ever went on one family trip, right? And that's from zero to like, when did I move out? 24. So it was just one of those things where they always did everything they could, but I knew there was clearly a ceiling and that was just something that was embedded into, especially my mom, because she had 16 brothers and sisters. So a lot of mouths to feed. I can understand the concept and the mindset of there's not enough. And my mom, unfortunately, she lived that way really up until like her last day. So for me, it was more like, 
I don't want to live that way. I don't want my kids to live that way. I'm going to be the breaker, the one that has to do whatever she has to do to break these patterns and these beliefs of the fact that there isn't enough. Because in my opinion, there's always enough, right? So it's hard for some people to see when they're programmed and, you know, maybe they're not aware of those programs, but I think it's important that the conversation is had to understand what we're not aware of and bring awareness to it. Oh, absolutely. I'm curious if you can even pinpoint or start to outline for somebody who's listening right now and they're like, money mindset. I mean, it's that word that gets thrown around all the time, but what does it really mean? Where is it really getting us to step in front of our own way and block things that we want? Now that you work with clients and you help them on their money mindsets and you've come so far in yours, are there places in our businesses where you see it's like common patterns where people tend to have a block here or this is where we need to do some mindset work around money that stand out? Yeah, absolutely. I would say the biggest thing is honestly, when, when it comes to people thinking they are worthy of growth, it sounds strange, but a lot of people put blocks in their way of like, you can present someone with the perfect thing for them to help them grow. And they're like, I just can't justify spending that on myself, or I just can't do that right now. And it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, a hundred dollars or $10,000. There's, there's always that kind of pushback. And as a business coach, I also understand that also is, is tied to rapport building. And if there's not a strong rapport that there's those objectives or objections that come up. However, a lot of the time when you dig a little bit deeper and you ask questions, you will find that it is, well, I just don't know if it's going to work for me. And that is another block, right? So it, it kind of starts, and I can remember this because I was in sales for 10 years. It starts with one, then it's another, then it's another, until you get to the real like kind of base of the reason. And it ends up being something not even like the first issue that was brought up. Mm-hmm. You said something before we hopped on that I would love to even get your thoughts on here now while we're live too. You you said something like, it always goes back to childhood things and what you heard about money growing up. And it is deeper than we usually think it is. If someone's on this journey, what's the best thing that they can do or the best way to approach starting to get to the root of what maybe your driving beliefs about money are? I ask my clients this all the time. Think about stories that you can bring up that you heard as a child. Because they're probably the stories you're telling yourself when you actually go to the store to buy something. Like, you know, maybe you understand the importance, especially just everything I've gone through. I understand the importance of like very healthy and clean eating now, right? Like, and I mean, not just, you know, clean eating, I mean like organic and like all of these things. So maybe you go to the store and you're like, oh, well, the organic apples are $4.99 a pound, but the conventional apples are $2.99 a pound, right? I'll just eat the conventional one. But you know the organic one is actually better for you, but that $2 is something that you can't justify. But in the long run, if you had to go back and say, you know, God forbid you got sick, if you went back and you're like, would I go back and respend that $2 if that meant that I was healthy? Like then a million percent, you that money story now gets kind of interjected. And it's like, yep, this is actually worth it for me in the long run, right? So it's those kind of stories that you heard that you can kind of see you're applying in this day. Oh, yeah, that was a big one for me. I love my parents and I can see how they had it so hard. I mean, they had four young kids when I was growing up and my dad started his own business. And then as he started his own business, his old company, 
sued him on false grounds to try to run them out of business, his new business out of business. And so like, there was a lot going on that I can look back on now and be like, they had it really tough. But I definitely internalized, there's never enough. Like I definitely internalized, like there's never enough money you don't spend on anything. And so I can so relate to what you're saying of being like, I have to get the cheapest one. (laughs) Like I have to get the cheapest apples at the store because that's such a funny example for you to bring up because we ate a ton of apples as kids. (laughs) Like that was what my mom always fed us because it's like filling fiber. She was like, eat an apple anytime you're hungry. (laughs) So we always got the cheapest ones. And so I just started doing it as an adult. I would always get the cheapest ones. And it's been actually difficult for me to be like, Emily, you can, you can go to Whole Foods now and you don't have to get the apples that are the most on sale. It's just, it's crazy how this stuff stays with us and then plays out in ways that you're never expecting to see in your business. There's so much I want to talk to you around money because there are just there's a lot of crazy things that go on in the online space too, where people's money stuff gets triggered as well, especially when we're seeing these celebrations of like, make 100K in a day, make 100K cash months, like make millions of dollars every month. Like it just starts to get really crazy. And I know that we share kind of a similar desire to help people around this where people start to maybe act out of a wounded place when it comes to looking at their business and looking at investments that they want to make, whether it's in coaching or whether it's in a high level program and thinking almost like I have to make this investment. So this is kind of the other side of the story that we were just talking about or the other side of the coin where it's like you almost give your power away to the money and to the power of the transaction. I'm sure we've all heard that that phrase or that idea, the trope of like the uh, transformations in the transaction. So I would love to just hear your thoughts about this. Like if I just leave you with that, I want to hear kind of like where your position is around when is the transformation? Is it in the transaction? Is the transaction essential for the transformation? Or are people getting it all wrong? So it's funny you say that because last night I was actually so... I, you, I think, call them money walks. I've called them wealth walks. And I call them wealth walks only because I actually, I feed my brain more than I like care about, like, not there's anything wrong with money at all, obviously. But I, I call them wealth walks because I actually use it to listen to a book or something. So last night I was on one of my wealth walks and I actually created a post. This is funny that you brought this up. That was like, the transformation is not when you click buy that's just not the transformation, right? And I've actually made other posts on this where it's like, and I've talked about this in programs where there is a buyer's high that happens, right? It's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna press the button. Oh my God, now when I press the button, like you're so excited and it's this rush. It's like, you know, adding stuff to your Amazon card and instead of being like, add to cart, you're like, buy now. It's like, oh my God, like there's that instant, you know, that kind of buyer's high. That's just, that's essentially what it is. And I think what I've learned after all the years now of investing and all the years of, I don't want to say there's ever a program I've invested in that like I haven't got something out of because even if it hasn't been quote unquote aligned, I've always learned something. I've either learned how I don't want to run my business, how I don't want to run a program, how I don't want to do something. There's always been something I've learned. There's no harm, no foul in my opinion, but the transformation is not in clicking by. The transformation happens when you actually show up and you start doing the SHIT that you need to do. A lot of people think like, oh, I invested and I can just watch this Zoom. And all of a sudden now, after I watch the Zoom, I'm going to walk away and I'm going to be a millionaire. And if that was true, like like I talked to you just before we jumped on, like 
the amount of Alex Hormozzi that I consume, I should have had $40 million in my bank account yesterday. Like that's, that's just not how it works. Right. So there's this, this misconception. And I think it was you actually that made a post about this, about there's male marketing and female marketing. And I, I don't really understand this thing because you can apply the quote unquote male techniques to female businesses and they work and you can apply the, and I understand what people are saying, right? There's like, oh, they're receiving like this soft feminine marketing and that's fine. But soft feminine marketing could also have a little bit of an edge. Like it's okay for women to be spicy. You know what I mean? Like I like being spicy, but there is a combination there and it's not just the buy. It's not just the button. It's not just the zoom. It's not just the book. It's not just the absorbing. It's actually doing the effing thing that you need to do. And that's how the result comes. You're like preaching to the choir right now. I am so on board with everything you are saying. And I've made like at least three podcast episodes about the concept of masculine versus feminine business and marketing. Because just like you're saying, I'm like, you guys, at the end of the day, it all boils down to the same principles. It just looks different. Like it's just either presented in a feminine way or it's presented in a more bro-y way. And for some reason, we've demonized when it looks a certain way. But I'm like, at the end of the day, the same persuasion, the same principles are at play. And so we're not escaping it. We're not bypassing it. We're just dressing it up a little bit different. But you still have to learn. There is truth to bro marketing is a little overdone now. Like when it's just so obvious, the, the like there's so little tact in the copywriting where it's just in your face of like, this is what I'm selling you. Like people don't need that anymore. And I think that that's a valid criticism where like we want to bring more intelligence and more of this emotional intelligence, I should say, into the marketing and not just A plus B equals you buy this. So I get that. But we're still utilizing the same principles. The funny thing about that is, is like, there's still going to be those buyers that do need the A plus B equals C and this is what you buy. Like, and that's also okay where I feel like the online space, especially the coaching space, since obviously that's what we're both in, has become like this roundabout way that kind of sometimes can feel manipulative in my opinion of like, you are trying to sell something to somebody and it's literally okay if people know that. Like there's not actually a problem if people know that you're selling them a transformation, as long as you're actually selling a transformation and not just like, this is going to fatten up my bank account. Thanks for joining. You know what I mean? It's, there's a difference there, but at the end of the day, you're in business to sell things and make money. That's what you're doing. It's just doing ethically is the difference. Absolutely. It all comes down to your intentions when you're executing it. That's always what I say about marketing because it is, you know? So I would love to kind of shift back to the conversation here of when you are going to make an investment in yourself. First off, we agree and we are in alignment here that the transformation isn't in the moment you put the money down. But is there, my first question here, something you think to making an investment that expands you and when might be making a big investment a really positive thing in your business? We don't want to make investments just because we think that when I spend this amount of money, I will automatically have an up level. But when is it a good idea? And how do we check in with ourselves of, is it time for me to make a really big investment that scares me? Yeah, I think I think that happens when you've been in the same place for so long, like nothing has actually changed. 
literally nothing has changed. Like you can easily put your 2022 and 2023 side by side and they look the exact same. If you're comfortable with that, that's completely fine. No harm, no foul. Some people are comfortable at like, you know, 50K a year. They do it on their terms, like feed up. That's cool. Sweet. But if you know there is a part of you that's like, there's more, there's a little bit more and you can feel it like that. You're on that edge and you're like, yeah, but if I do, it's like, if you do and you succeed, then what happens? Instead of like, if I do, then I don't have money in my account. Like, what if you looked at it as like, when I do this, I actually will succeed without putting all the onus on the facilitator. Let's just make that clear that it's like, you're responsible for my results. Like, no, no, no. The responsibility still sits with me, but this is what I need to actually push to my edge and demand more of myself. And that's something I say often is like, I don't care what perceived limitations you have, mind, physical, mental, financial, I don't care. Demand more from yourself because you can do anything. Like you might, you might be, you know, just for fitness purposes, like you might be severely overweight right now and you want to become a power lifter. All it takes is you going to the gym three times a week and start getting that muscle memory going. It's something small. It's not going to take a lot, but we have been conditioned that it's, it's a lot to do in order to be successful. And, and all it is just those little micro movements that you make, which can be investments. Yeah. Thinking about it in small steps is so helpful too. For me, I always think of it as like, I need skin in the game. And the, my first check-in is exactly what you said of like, have I been saying I want to do X, Y, and Z for a while now, yet I have not been making it happen on my own? I haven't seemed to find the answer and find the accountability in myself to get this done. Typically, that's where I start to look out and be like, okay, what do I need to invest in to have some skin in the game here? Whether it is a program that I have to go through and that will hold me accountable, or it's a mastermind where everybody's moving and I don't want to show up to the mastermind and say, I got nothing done today. Or maybe it is a private coach, but my kind of unpopular opinion, which I think also goes against a lot of these tropes that we see in the industry is that you don't, you don't need constant mentorship. I would love to hear where you sit on that idea as well. Yeah, I think the idea that you do need to stay plugged into someone constantly, I think is, it's really subjective. I think if you're someone who needs that kind of accountability or that kind of sounding board or something like if that's what you need, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that because if that's what's going to make you keep going and it's going to make you better, invest away. But I don't think it's necessarily required to be like in these like high level $100,000 a year spaces especially if you literally, and I never say this, but like if you can't afford it and you're going and taking out a loan to stay in like a mastermind, I just don't think it's, it's, and I'm not a financial advisor, so please don't take my opinion as, as, you know, gold, but like, it just doesn't seem like a smart thing, especially if you're not seeing any kind of ROI, because that's one of those things where then you start to resent the person facilitating it and you've now put all the stress on yourself then there's now you've accumulated debt for the sake of saying, but I'm in a mastermind. And as great as it is to be in these spaces, I think if there's an importance of accountability for yourself, like what can you actually do that stretches you, but doesn't make you feel like you're suffocating? Because I've been with clients who felt like they were suffocating, not because of me, but because they've invested in like 50 other things at once. They have 40 different opinions in their ear. And then it's like nothing happens at all. And now you're, you know, 50, 60K in debt, 
but at least you've taken all these programs, but you've done nothing with them. So is it really, does it work or does it work to just stay kind of committed to one thing for whatever period of time and, you know, apply? And I love that you said everyone's going to be a little bit different too, because I think that's so true. And one of the, the hard parts of being a content creator in general, but especially being on the side of the industry where it is part of our job to educate people about how to make investments that are going to benefit them. And so we're making, and I think this happens unintentionally, but we make short firm content. So then we start to speak in generalities because it's like, well, we have to be able to educate and you can't fit all the nuance of every situation into every post. But I believe that being the creators and being the people who are talking to our our audience and the people that follow us about how to invest, we have to understand that as our following grows too, and this goes, I mean, really for anybody in any business and whatever you're selling and teaching, there's a lot of influence that comes with that. And I've met a lot of people who have come into my world and they were like, well, I was told that I, for example, always have to invest at my edge. So I've just kept making these really big, expansive investments, but I'm not keeping any of my money from my business anymore. And now I feel resentful. I'm like, well, that's not really good either. (laughs) Like, (laughs) You probably learned so much. And I also love what you said earlier of like, I get something out of every investment because I have such a similar perspective. Even looking back now in hindsight where I'm like, Emily, maybe you didn't need to invest in that. Like maybe that was a little bit of a panic decision where you were hoping to get something out of the investment that you actually already had within yourself and just needed to sit with yourself for a second. But every investment, just like you said, I learned something from. And so I'm glad that you opened that up for people because I think there's two things I would love to see change in our industry. Number one, an acknowledgement of the weight of influence that we have when we speak about money. And I speak about any creator that is sharing their income online because a lot of people are in a very wounded place with money. And when you start sharing, like I made X amount of Z and it's so easy and all you have to do is buy my program, a lot of people will go into kind of a weird place and be like, I need it. I need to buy this. And no shade, I know so many successful people in multi-level marketing, network marketing, and they do great things for people. No shade at all. But to say something like, if you buy my program, that's when you'll see, you know, and there are programs out there that are completely transformational. I've taken some of Tony Robbins stuff and honestly, it's, it's transformed my life. But I think we have to have a little bit of like awareness and like be smart about understanding that like not every program you take is going to be the one that's going to make you the million dollars. So sometimes it's just important to stay consistent and keep educating yourself, even if it's outside of a program, but constantly working on yourself without like, oh, the only way to make money is by buying my course. And let me teach you how content works. Or let me teach you how this works or how that works. It's like, yeah, okay, fine. But at what point do we just also hold accountability for like, okay, I've invested 40 grand And I don't have that 40 grand, not even close to the 40 grand back. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, like I said, I just, I had to say interject with like, it's giving MLM because it really just, it really is. And it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things I have to call out. And I'm glad that you did. And I I agree with you. And you know, I agree with you because we had a conversation in the DMs about this the other day. (laughs) It's actually how this podcast came to be. And it's not, 
it just like you said, it's not to shame anyone that is in an MLM. It's I know so many wonderful people that are in MLMs and have had so many wonderful opportunities come into their life and have learned so many skills through selling through network marketing. So it's not a 100% like if you're in this, you're a bad person. That's not it at all. It's just the structure, the way it's set up. Everyone cannot win at the end of the day. The people at the top are going to make a ton of money, but there's always going to be people at the bottom who just can't see the same return. It's not possible. And just like you said, a lot of the coaching industry is unintentionally kind of following that same pattern where it's like you pay the coach who's paying the coach who's paying the coach and everybody is just doing things the exact same way and then just fighting to stay in there. And there's this this weird like desperate energy to stay inside the thing because you feel good when you're in there, but it's like, whoa, it's a bubble. And sometimes the best thing you can do is just step outside of that bubble for a second. And like you said, kind of come back to yourself and be like, am I good? What am I doing here? What do I need to work on? Yeah. And I think a really big thing that I've learned this year, there's two things, but one especially is like nervous system regulation. A lot of people are not regulated when it comes to like how they invest, how they show up, how they move. They just kind of, they hope for the best. And realistically though, inside there's this internal tug of war saying like, you shouldn't have done that. You should have done that. You should have done more. No, you should have done less. You should. And people can't sleep because they've spent so much money or they can't, you know, they can't eat. They can't pay their rent because they've invested in all these things and they're hoping for that magic pill. And it's like, it's okay to take a step back. And I think what's happened this year specifically, and I love to see it is people have really woken up to the fact that it's not just about investing anymore. It's not like, oh, if I'm in this program, all of a sudden now, that means, you know, $100,000 would be in my bank account yesterday. Or, you know, people have just like, it's not about like investing me to be in my energy. It's like, there are points where, yes, being in someone's close proximity will naturally get you to think bigger. I am 100% a believer a hundred percent because I've been there and I agree. However, when it comes to the point of you're doing that repeatedly, I do wonder, and this is what I see, and I've studied a lot of people, a lot of very successful people and my clients who are on their way up. I wonder if sometimes we're looking for answers outside ourselves to validate that we're doing the right thing instead of just sitting with ourselves in silence and saying like, how does this feel to me? Does this feel right? Or am I buying out of FOMO? And people are really effing good at FOMO online. Like it is very easy to be good at FOMO. It is a real thing. And it's those panic investments. This is something that's very personal to me. And I don't mind sharing because I've spent the last year kind of working through this with the help of a money coach. If anybody knows Lou Clark, she was on the podcast in an earlier episode. I work with her on my money and we track my investments. And we noticed that I had this pattern where it was like, whenever I felt out of control in my business, I would go and I would invest in something. I would go and I would invest in a coach and be like, this is going to fix it. This is going to fix the problem. Or I'd, I'd buy another program and then not open it. <laughs> never, never go look at the course. But it was just like, oh, I'm in panic mode. I'm going to go buy it. And just 
it was so helpful. And it was such an interesting way to get to the root of it because we were literally just tracking my numbers. And when we were looking and it was like, what are you spending? And every week we would touch base and be like, where's money going? Emily, you said you wanted to allocate this much. And right now you're coming and you're saying you want to buy another course. Let's pause for a second. Tell me, why do you want to buy this? What's feeling is coming up in your body right now? Do you really need this course or are you compensating for something else? And we ended up uncovering this deep, money belief or money pattern that I had that I didn't know was there, which was when I feel out of control, I try to get rid of my money. I'm like, I think money is bad. And I am so practiced at being in scarcity that that feels safer. So when stuff is feeling like it's out of control, I'm like, get rid of my money, get rid of it, send it out. (laughs) And it's just crazy how all of this was operating behind the scenes my whole life. Entrepreneurship is such an interesting journey where all of this stuff that you haven't dealt with comes to the surface and it's like, you're going to look at me? Yeah. Yeah. It's like tapping you on the shoulder, right? Like it's like, hey, hey, by the way, you know, a lot of people call it shadow work, right? It's like, it'll tap you on the shoulder. It's like, hey, um, remember that one time where this happened as a kid? Well, guess what? It's going to come up later in your like 20s and 30s. So it's interesting that you said that because I, I had this conversation with my boyfriend like maybe a month ago. And I said to him, I remember being in that place in my 20s where, you know, when I was working for that gym, I got like a really, a couple of big, and now in hindsight, you know, it was like a $4,000 commission check. And I was like, oh my God, it's the most money I've ever made in my life. And I spent it all within four days. Cause like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know. And it happened in my coaching business. I'm, I'm, I'll never forget. I made $9,600 in one day. And completely dysregulated, like no idea what the hell to do with all this money. What am I supposed to do with it? I blew it. It took me two weeks and I blew it. And then I was like, oh, okay, this actually feels better. This this is what I, I noticed with my clients. And this is what I had to work through myself. So I never tell anybody to do something I haven't done. There is a pattern that we all have when it comes to money. And you just nailed it. Where it's like, there is a feeling of safety at a certain number. You know, like, so you might be used to seeing like 500 bucks in your bank account and you're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's good. And if it goes above that, you're like, oh shit, I better go spend this because if it's not at 500, like, why do I have so much money? What is going on? Or you move it into your savings and then you're like, ah, whatever, I'll just take 200 bucks out. Like, it's fine. I'll go to dinner. It's no problem. Right. But it's that same thing. You have to notice those patterns because if you don't notice them, you can't break them. And if you don't break them, then basically you'll be on this ride for the rest of your life. And no matter how much money you make, if you, you know, the saying is, if you can't manage a hundred, you can't manage 10,000, you can't manage a hundred thousand. It is. And I'm glad that we're talking about this because I think that every single person goes through this in their own way with money, whether they don't have a lot of it right now, or they're starting to call in abundance for the first time. And they're like, whoa, what do I do with this money? And maybe they're, they're panic spending it like you and I both just shared that we found ways to do so. I think it's so common, but nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, but it's not a common conversation, at least in business spaces. I haven't been in many you know, high level spaces with other entrepreneurs where people are comfortable sharing this type of thing. But it's all part of our financial literacy in a strange way. Not really the piece that we think of when we talk about financial literacy, but it is part of it too. You need to know what your self-sabotage patterns are because I guarantee that they are playing out in your money. And even if they're not playing out in your money, they're playing out somewhere else. They're playing out in your health. They're playing out in your fitness. They're playing out in your relationships. They're playing out in maybe your sleep pattern. Like they're, they're playing out somewhere, right? Like we all have, and I say this all the time, we all have demons. It's just like, can we control those demons to stay 
all playing nicely together in the park? You know, can we all play nicely together and everyone stays on the same page, right? The demons don't necessarily have to be bad things, but there, there is belief systems in place that unless you face those belief systems, like I said, quote unquote shadow work, right? If you're not facing those things and you're not acknowledging like, okay, yeah, I, I have actually done this multiple times. This is something I have to work on, right? And it, it shows up anywhere. It's just you don't realize until you've done it, like you've stubbed your toe for the hundredth time, like you, this door needs to be fixed. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So I think a takeaway for people is honestly, like give yourself grace, but also give yourself space. Because if you're staying in that anxious space of like, what's the next investment? What do I need to be doing next? How do I keep constantly moving? You don't really get the chance to reflect on these things until, like you said, you've stubbed your toe one too many times. And then that's usually when it's like, oh, I wish I had looked at this a little bit earlier. I wish that I wasn't this far into it where now this toe hurts a lot and it's going to be a lot to fix versus if I had caught it a couple moments ago. So to kind of put a bow on this conversation here around investing and your nervous system, are there signs that you look for in your body or in how you feel when you think about the investments you are about to make or how you advise clients to think about investments that they're about to make into their business or any aspect of improving themselves? If it's one of those that stretches you, or if it's one of those that feels scary, what are the signs from our body and our nervous system that, hey, this is probably a good idea for you versus mm, you might be doing this from an, uh, a shadow. This might be a shadow coming up. I think if you're doing it from a place of where it's like, I don't want to say checks all the boxes, but like, I think it's important. The first thing is like, I always tell people, my favorite thing is like zoom out. Always take a landscape picture. Don't look at the portrait. I want you to zoom out and look at the landscape. What do you actually need? Not in the next three months, not six months, not 12 months. Look at the next three to five years. What do you actually need? Because for right now, you're investing basically like from six months before. Like you're, you're already, you need to now stretch forward. What is it that you need then? So if you're investing now and you're like, you're nervous or you're unsettled, or it's like, if I do this, do I have enough money? If you're doing things like that, you're not investing from a place of like, this is what I need. You're investing from like, if I don't do this, I will die. It's that serious. And that kind of, we, we kind of chatted about this before, but that kind of like energy as a coach is so hard to facilitate because someone is literally, and if, if you know, having kids, the best way I can describe it, and I'm sorry, but it's like have, breastfeeding your kids and your kids are hanging off your boobs like a gorilla. Like they're just hanging off of you and they're, they're like holding on to you for dear life. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, please, if I don't have this, this is my life source. I will not make it. Like that's not a place of safe investment. That is a place of very dysregulated, scared, scarcity, lack, whatever word you want to use. That is a place you do not invest from. But if in those moments, it's like, you can't afford, you know, $5,000 or $10,000 to invest, but there is something that is similar that coach offers that maybe it's like 50 to 100 and that feels okay. Do it. Like something small is always going to be better than nothing at all. But if you're, if you think that the only way to move forward is like max out my credit card, take out a second mortgage on my home or oh, screw it. My kids don't need to eat for the next two weeks. They'll be okay. I don't need gas in my car. I won't pay my insurance. It's like, I absolutely not like there's, there's just no way that that is coming from a place of like, 
I can make this happen. It's coming from a place of like, if it doesn't happen, I will fail. And that is just such a terrible energy to approach anything with. So the safety side of it, like the good side is, is the opposite of all of that. Oh, that's actually a really good example. Your, your baby hanging off of you one <laughs> to say how it feels or a good analogy because it, it is. And I think it's important to remember that as coaches too. And to not be afraid to say to someone if they're trying to invest in your program and you can feel that coming up of, hey, maybe this one's not for you at this time. In the future, I'm so excited to, but what if you start here? I'm afraid that this may be too big of a stretch for where you're at right now for you to get the most out of it. Because just like you said, when someone's in a program and it's like, this, my whole life is riding on this and that's how it can feel. And it's like, I need to milk every single second for what it's worth. Not saying that we shouldn't do that in our programs, but there's a difference between that and like the desperation of, I have to get something out of this that I think I'm missing in myself. And we never want to be in that energy. We never want people in that energy in our programs because it's hard to get them to take a beat, to zoom out and to make decisions for the long term versus what is everything we can do together right in this exact moment because it has to happen right now or it's not going to be good? It's a very hectic energy. It's a very, it's a very displaced energy. It's not something where, and, and in those situations too, you never make smart investments. You always make very chaotic investments. And if you want to think about it, I use metaphors for everything just because it does, it speaks to the subconscious mind. And I'm, I'm basically programmed to speak in metaphors at this point, but it's like, think about yourself like, if you're, if you're like in a cage and you're like shaking, you're rattling the cage all the time, all the time, all the time. And you're, you're like a nervous animal in a cage. And then all of a sudden the door opens and you're like, what, wait, wait, what? Like, but you're still, you still have all of that nervous energy pent up because you've been in that for so long. But now when that door opens, oh, now you're safe to suddenly make a high level investment. I probably wouldn't do that because you're still not there. And that's also a place of that's okay. Like it's okay to take time to regulate yourself and relax and chill and know that like hundred K months aren't for everyone. Like I cannot, and I, I've, I've been, I've said this so many times to my, my clients and even my like programs, hundred K right now to me feels very chaotic, like highly chaotic. Like if someone put hundred K in front of me, I would probably vomit from not knowing what to do with it because I couldn't hold that. And that's okay. This, this thing about 10 K months, quote unquote, 10 K months that everybody needs to hit in order to be successful. I mean, yeah, like it's really relative to you, right? Like is 10 K what you need? Like, do you even know your numbers? Do you, and the amount of people, I'm sure you can attest to this where, you know, Hey, are you sure you need 10 K a month? Like, well, actually no, like my expenses are only like seven. So I really need da, 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 da. So Right. And it's, it's also like not falling into that marketing trap of the only way to be successful is if you're showing 10 K months, it's like, mm, no, no, because I've made 30 K a month. I've made 20, I've made 15, I've made five and I'm happy in every single tier. That doesn't change. That's a big piece too. That, that, that's the emotional intelligence piece of not being dysregulated around money. Oh, there's so much wrapped into our feelings about money, how we invest, how we talk about it in this industry. It's why I love conversations like this, because we just bring 
you have the opportunity to bring so much honesty to a conversation that tends to be very ego-driven, very, look at me, look what I've accomplished. Am I worthy now that I have the 10K months? Am I worthy now that I've crossed 100K in my business? When really, what does it all mean? It is an arbitrary number. As a society, we could have decided that $98,750 was like (laughs) the number that everybody wants to cross, but it just 10 is a nice number. 100 is a nice number. It's just round, but it really, it means nothing. I was talking about this on a training today of like, everything truly means nothing until you decide what it means. And so you get to decide whether or not you are on track or if you are measuring yourself against an outside metric that you didn't create, but for some reason you've bought into. And I love that you said, know your numbers, because this is not a conversation I've heard in many spaces either being had of, have you sat down? And this is an exercise I've done in a space before. And I love it of like, sit down and write down every single thing you might ever want in your life. Do you want a nanny? Do you want a specific car? Do you want a specific house? What does it cost? Write it all down and like, don't stop. Like give yourself like a 20 minute timer, see what all comes out and add it all up. And you will probably be so surprised that you find that you can't even fill past a certain number. And then it's like, oh, I was shooting for a million dollars, but it looks like my dream life, every single thing I could possibly think of that I want right now cost me 275. Like I can maybe chill a little bit. (laughs) We just want these numbers and we don't know why we want them. We want them because they're, like I said, the FOMO. It's the FOMO. You see everybody else doing it and everybody's living these quote unquote perfect lives, but you're not seeing the behind the scenes. Like you wouldn't know, right? Like you you could look at any profile and it looks picture perfect, but you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Right? People didn't know my mom was, was dying. People didn't know I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I didn't tell anybody until... I didn't tell anybody until after I finished radiation and that was in May. I was diagnosed in November. You know what I mean? So it's like, you don't know. I just still kept going because that's just naturally who I am, right? Like that's not going to be a handicap for me, right? But you can't sit there and say like, well, it's the perfect business. It's the perfect life. It's the perfect this. It's the perfect that. But what about everything? Like there are still, people are still humans and multifaceted. We're not robots, right? So there's still pieces that, come into play where the humanity comes into play and those numbers don't mean crap at the end of it all because if you could go back and buy your time back you probably would take all that money you made and buy that time back absolutely that's why it's just so important like we've been talking about through this whole episode to be able to come back to yourself to be able to sit in in silence in quiet go on your wealth walk or your money walk like take some time where it's really just you checking in with you and ask yourself what do I really want? Am I striving for a dream, a number right now that's mine? Or have I internalized someone else's? Am I moving out of only a place of scarcity? Or is there something about what I'm reaching for that feels really fulfilling to me? Because a lot of times, like we said, we're happy with so much, quote unquote, less. And it doesn't even have to be think, thought of as lack or less than. For me, this was a block for a while. Of It's like, well, if I don't shoot for the big numbers, am I selling myself short? Am I accepting defeat? But it was like, no. I mean, I can always make more and more and more. Like, that's not a question. But maybe I don't want to do the things that are going to lead to the crazy like million dollar months when I'm so fulfilled with where I am right now. And that's the place we all want to try to get back to. And it is It is an active practice. It's ongoing work of just like you said, nervous system regulation. So 
I am so thankful for this conversation and how open and honestly you were willing to share and talk about these concepts that can sometimes be maybe a little taboo or people don't want to talk about it. Or like we said, the ego is driving the conversation around these, but these are the conversations that I think are so healing and actually help people make progress and feel more fulfillment out of what they're doing in their business and ultimately their life. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. If everyone listening wants to connect with you, where is the best place for them to find you and say hello? Always Instagram. My TikTok actually just got suspended for some reason. I don't know why I didn't do anything, (laughs) but I don't know what happened. So my TikTok is gone, but I was just mad because I had a lot of really good people I followed on there, but you could find me on Instagram. So my Instagram is it's Antonetta Adele, which is a long name. So I will be sure to give you the handle if you need it find me there and thank you for like hosting this for having these conversations for having these spaces and creating a place where we can come together and have similar or different opinions and yet still talk it out and and share different viewpoints so that it gives people the opportunity to do the same so thank you for having me Oh my gosh. Well, it was truly my pleasure to have you on. Good luck with the upcoming move. I hope that that goes as smoothly as possible and you land safely and happily in Hawaii, one of the most beautiful places. I'm a little bit jealous. I'm like, do I need to go book a vacation right now? I appreciate you and your time so much. Have the best day. Hey, before you go, I've got two quick things for you. Number one, I want to say thank you so much for being here. It truly means the world to me that you choose to spend your time here listening to these conversations, tuning in with me, soaking up all of this information and everything that we are going through together. I cannot express how much gratitude I have for you for being here on this journey with me. With that said, number two, the second thing I have for you is I want to make sure that since you're here, you have my phone number. Seriously, I have an inner circle daily text list where every single day, Monday through Friday, I send out a positive affirmation or a journal prompt or something I've been thinking about, or even an aha moment that has completely shifted my perspective that I want to share with you too. So you can share in on everything that I am working on to grow and continue evolving and continuing to be the best version of myself. I want to share those things with you. And the best place to do it is through this inner circle daily text list. So if you want to get on this list, if you want to receive these messages from me, and again, yes, it's really me. It's coming straight from my phone. What you need to do is text the word community to my number at 213-606-3853. Again, that's the word community to my number 213-606-3853. 3853. As soon as you send me over that tax, I will send you a message back with the quick details to officially register for this inner circle daily text list. And once you are all registered, we are ready to get to texting. The messages all go straight to my phone. I see all of the replies. I look at them. I send you messages back. So it is such a great way for us to connect and continue to work on our growth together. So go ahead and shoot me that message ASAP so that we can get connected.